Before we start today's show, I want to invite you to join my community of SaaS founders, agency owners, and others who are sharing tips, tricks, strategies, and tactics for creating successful cold outreach campaigns. It's a free group on Facebook called Cold Outreach Mastery, and you can get there by heading over to morgandwilliams.com slash community. And if Facebook isn't your thing, but you still want valuable cold outreach advice, head on over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. What if you knew exactly how to use cold email, LinkedIn, the phone, and other sales channels to get new meetings and customers for your B2B product or service? Morgan Williams is an enterprise sales rep that's obsessed with cold outreach. If you're sick and tired of fluff, theory, and general advice on how to sell to cold prospects from people who haven't sold anything in the past 20 years and instead want detailed, tactical, step-by-step instruction, this is the podcast for you. Each week, he'll interview salespeople, consultants, and entrepreneurs about actual outbound sales campaigns they've run with real numbers and results. Each conversation will be a deep dive into deconstructing a specific campaign's results, as well as the strategy behind it. You'll get the opportunity to peek behind the curtain and see what's actually working now in cold outreach. Welcome to Outbound Metrics. Kyle Van Boris is the CEO of Boris, a strategic sales advisory for early stage startups. Boris offers sales and SDR advisory for teams serious about exceeding their goals, as well as strategy and process recommendations to help accelerate growth. Kyle, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Are you ready to dive in? Let's dive right in. Thanks for having me. Awesome. How does Boris get results for its customers? So there's a few ways that we get results. I think the primary one that's worth mentioning is we really focus on process and people before anything else. The first thing we do whenever we engage with a client, and typically it's because they're building an SDR and AE team, but we make sure that we bring in the right people. So we are part of that interview process, make sure we have the right people in place. Then we focus on making sure we have the process built out, the workflow and everything that they need to be successful. Because of the hands-on nature and like the uh, immersive program that we've put together, that's really the secret to success for us. Awesome. And who is your ideal customer? Usually early stage, probably Series A, uh, Series B, but really any company that doesn't have an SDR team in place or a sales team in place. So for SDRs, it might be around Series B where they're looking to expand and go more outbound. They want to build an SDR or BDR team to support that initiative. We live very much in that world of building your first inside sales team. Awesome. And before we move on to this case study, I want to ask anything else, uh, big differentiators you can think about? I know there's a sharp focus on process and people. Anything else that you guys want to mention? Yeah. you know We've really put a strong process together for implementing these types of teams at the organizations we work with. So we have a very repeatable process. Look, differentiation is tough because I don't know exactly how our competitors operate, Mm -hmm. but we're not just building a playbook and handing it to you. We're not just meeting with you and giving you some advice. Like we really get our hands dirty and we dive deep into your business and we work on building a playbook, executing that playbook, with the team that you're building in-house and then tweaking it over time to get it to a place where it's truly scalable. And at least for my research, it seems pretty unique and it works very well for us, but maybe there's a competitor out there that's doing something similar. 
Awesome. So not just building that playbook, but actually helping them execute, getting your hands dirty, getting in the business and working really close with the, uh, with the client. Very cool. Moving on to this case study, building, growing teams. Can you take us through, just kind of tell us about what industry a client was in that you helped build an SDR team and we can kind of move into like some results that Boris got for them? Absolutely. Yeah. So for the one that comes to mind is uh, I met this company when they were three people. They started working with us when they were around, I think, 15 to build their first sales team. And then we actually started with the sales team with them. They just raised Series A and they sell um, B2B to architects. And our focus with them was getting their sales team to a point to where they were producing more than the founder was by themselves. So we brought on two sales reps and we were able to double the uh, sales output. Makes sense. You have two people now and the founder's no longer in the equation. You know, we worked with them to make sure that they can double the founder's output, which is great. Over time, we added another two sales reps. We're in the process of bringing on another two, but right now we just started building the SDR team. Where it got really amazing for, for them is after about eight months, they were able to raise their Series B and we're on track to triple revenue this year. And that's the best result for, for us because there's a little tricky phrase in the, in the startup funding world. If you can triple, triple, double, double, you're going to be in a really good spot. We hit the triple for this first year after the Series A, just raised Series B, a little bit more fuel to the fire, and we're going to see where we can take it next year as well. Awesome. So you, you're, you're, let's move into like the beginning phases interaction with this company, three-person company. They know, how did they, did they know they needed a sales team or need to bring in salespeople just because the founder was calendar exhausted with meetings and was like, hey, we need salespeople? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly right. And the board was pushing them, right? They realize that it's not scalable to have your CEO and founder doing all of the sales calls. So the first, and because they were inbound focused, it was really important for them to get salespeople that can actually close the deals that were coming through. Mm-hmm. Because it's architecture, there's a little bit of industry expertise that's helpful sure. to try to close those deals. So yeah, they needed to get the CEO out of selling, bring on two AEs. We're primarily focused on inbound at the time. Now there's a big outbound focus. And we're having a lot of success there. But Originally, it was inbound. Can we just replicate the selling? Let's just get someone else to sell like the CEO sells. Mm-hmm. Once we did that, it was great. Bring two more people on. Inbound doesn't fuel all the, you know, the pipeline that all four reps need. Now let's start going outbound. So that was sort of the, uh, the trajectory there. Awesome. And uh, so you found some people with some architectural knowledge who could close. Were you just documenting this information from the founder, like what he had in his head about closing these deals, stuff like that? That was part of it. Part of it is what the founder was doing that works really well. Others just kind of core fundamentals of selling. What's our pitch sound like? Are we doing an upfront contract in the beginning? What's their day look like? Mm -hmm. How do we reach out to people who have inbounded or signed up for a trial? But then also, what if they don't buy? Can we reach out to people over the past year who signed up, tried the solution, didn't buy? And now we have essentially a whole new solution, right? (laughs) Because we had all this product uh, development that took place over the past 12 months. Like, let's see if it makes more sense to reconnect now. So it was just about putting those processes in place, helping with the messaging and just tuning the pitch over time. Awesome. Um, so let's talk about the movement to outbound. When did you know it was the time to move to outbound? It was a, about one month after, or maybe the month of bringing on two more reps. Like we knew when we brought on two more sales reps that inbound wasn't gonna be able to keep up. So we had an expectation that the sales reps were going to do some of their own prospecting, 
while we built out the SDR function. And at first, just to get really tactical and let me know if this is too much, but at first what we did was we uh, uh, brought in a outsourced sales development firm that filled the gap while we built the team internally. Did that for about three months. Once we got the uh, SDR team up and running, then we cut that relationship and we were ready to do it ourselves. Gotcha. So you just kind of brought in some people to kind of fill in that gap while you were building the team. Yeah. And I assume gather some data from that experience too. That's exactly right. And that's why that's a big reason why we did it because we wanted to see what does the pitch sound like? So the first month and a half, maybe two months of that three month period that we worked with them was us just validating outbound was going to work. And from listening to calls and doing some of the demos, we knew there was something there and we could do it better internally. Well, that's what we did. So about two months in, we started hiring SDRs, brought them on. At the end of the third month, they started. So there's a nice smooth transition there. Any surprises that came from like the data you gathered from watching this outsource team operate? Yeah, a couple of things. A big thing I was shocked by was actually industry focus. So architects are a lot easier to cold call than other people, which I was not <laughs> expecting. I thought they were going to be a little bit tougher, but they were. They're were fairly, fairly simple. I was also surprised the kind of the methodology, the cold call methodology that the firm we were working with was using wasn't like that great. Like the calls I was listening to were they wouldn't meet my standards, how I would train them. So Mm -hmm. I was pretty surprised by that because if all you do is sales development, but you know, people do what works best for them when you have to hire and you have to hire a lot of SDRs when you're in that business, you need a very simple pitch, no judgments there. But I was surprised with the results we were getting with what I felt like wasn't very good skill set. Mm -hmm. So that made me happy. Nice. <laughs> no, we we're going to build it internally, you know? So when you saw that, where did you go from there in terms of optimizations you made? Like, and like things you documented, how did you start to build this, this process specifically for this client using that data gathered? Yeah, uh, this is a good question. So I really do something similar for everybody. We break it down into four components. The first one is the list. This is arguably the most important. It's why it stands alone as one of the pillars that we think of when we're building a, an SDR team is um, we put a lot of focus on the list. Who are we calling as far as persona, but also... What types of businesses are we calling for them as architects? Uh, ge uh, geography came into play a lot as well. List was a big one. The next one was messaging. What's our cold call script? Email messaging. Are we using LinkedIn or not? That's the next part of our, that's the next pillar, so to speak, of our process is making sure that we have a really strong messaging. Our head of growth here has two decades of copywriting experience. He's phenomenal in that area. So it's good to have him bring him in, really focus on the messaging. The third is operations. So how are we tracking all this stuff in HubSpot? How are we, re we reporting on it? How are we making sure we're learning from the data we're gathering? So we put a lot of uh, effort into daily workflow and then sales operations. And uh, that's our fourth pillar operations. And then finally is tactics. Simply, you're on the phone, you get an objection, what do you say? That type of stuff, we put a lot of focus there. So that's the process I generally go through whenever we're building one of these teams with a client of ours. And for them specifically, we learned a lot about messaging and we learned a lot about the uh, operations just from the outsource, the outsource company. We knew cold calling was going to be super effective for us. So what am I heavily going to lean towards when it comes to onboarding a new team? Cold calling. That's all we did. I'm starting with cold calling. We're going to add email in a little bit. Then we'll, might, we'll experiment with LinkedIn and we might keep that as part of our strategy. 
you got to learn from the data we have. Calling was super effective. Let's just double down. And that's what we did. And now the team's calling regularly. They're having a lot of success there. Awesome. So we got lists, messaging, tactics, and operations. I'd like to touch on each of these a little bit. Starting off with the list, how did you put together these lists for using what, what were you looking for, platforms you were using, and did you use any sort of intent data? No intent data. I like intent data. It's often hit or miss. They're in the SMB space, so intent data almost means nothing. I'd rather just mm. call the folks. So we didn't really, and by the way, could definitely be wrong if there's someone there who's like, oh no, an SMB intent data is the only thing that matters. Definitely reach out to me. I'd be curious to see uh, how it could have an impact. But my experience has been you know, less than ideal. So we avoided that. Um, as far as the list goes, we used Infotelligent, which is a data provider, their competitor of Zoom Info. Quick shout out. I like them a lot. I think their data quality is good. And they had enough coverage for us to get started. And that's where we started. Built a list on Zoom Info, cut it up into different regions of the US, and then prioritized those regions and had them start calling. Awesome. It was anything with the businesses where these like, or you said SMBs, like what size shops are those in like the architecture world? Under 30 employees. Okay. Maybe the real number is under 50, but all of our initial lists are under 30. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, this is a new industry for me too. So like titles of people you're reaching out to is like... Actually, so principal is typically the main title over there. There's principal. Sometimes there's someone in practice operations that is a useful person to speak to, but we're generally targeting owners and principals. Got it. Okay. Awesome. Splitting up by geography. Any, any, is that just something you typically do is split up by geography or do you know, like architecture is coastal or something like that? Anything like that? So there is high density in major cities in architecture. It makes sense. We wanted to focus on major cities just because of the density is there, but mostly it was because we were doing a lot of work in New York. We did a conference in New York or we did a virtual conference, but focused the marketing efforts in New York. So we felt that New York was a good place for us to start. And then there's not enough leads in just New York to cut for both SDRs. So we brought in the list and now I have them in like pretty, you know, like standard regions. You just got to cut almost my time zone, really. You just cut down the US and then we're dialing like that. Awesome. Okay, cool. Moving on to messaging, you found out calling was very effective. So you stuck with mm-hmm. that smart. Any Well, with the calling, it sounds to me like I'm thinking since it was an easier market to call, right? Um, that you didn't need to get too fancy with the script. It was just pretty straightforward. Am I correct in that assumption? Yeah. I mean, we're still tweaking it for sure, but um, mm-hmm. it's definitely easier to call into than some of the other industries i've tried for sure some are brutal for sure yeah man. yeah <laughs> uh, what, what's the most brutal in your opinion most brutal industry to call i would say sometimes like marketing agencies can be tough they get hit up a oh, lot any industry that's like sexy i guess you could say you have a lot of people targeting it you know dentists that one's that one's pretty, oh, yeah, pretty one. overdone local services really i mean they get hit up a lot S&B local yeah. services get hit up a lot. IT can be challenging for sure. Yeah. The engineers can be tough. Yeah. Tough group for sure. What, what about you? Yeah, I agree. I mean, engineers, data science can be challenging. Mm-hmm. Data, we've done a lot it, with data science. They can be challenging. Engineering, security sometimes. Oh, security people like don't click on email. So it's, <laughs> it's like so tough. It's um, a counterintuitive 
Yeah, yeah. But you know what I find is if it's someone we can reach through the phone, like if there's enough people that we can get a hold of through the phone, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. The only time I'll back away from a, from working with somebody would be if like they're anti-phone. Then mm-hmm. I'm like, I just have no interest in working with these people. You can't, it's very hard to convince somebody of something through email. I mean, it's sure. just really tough. When I get you on the phone, we can have a conversation human to human. We can connect. I can make you laugh. We can talk about business a little bit. And then you'll take a meeting because I'm going to be able to solve a business challenge. That's really clear cut for me. And I love that, that sort of interaction. Doesn't mean I'm against email by any means. It's very powerful. But without having a bedrock of calls, I just get a little bit nervous working with somebody. Absolutely. We are we're using a lot of calls in this in this campaign or for this client. Any did you sprinkle in anything else? Any email, any LinkedIn there? Or is it just very call heavy? We yeah, we use email. We're just starting to experiment with email. So I when I say recently, the SDR started three weeks ago. This is very, very recent. And this is our first week doing email holiday week. We still got to look at the data, but we'll start tweaking it over time. Okay, cool. Tactics. I'd like to, I'd like to touch on that. Uh, you mentioned objection handling. Is in there anything else or, or what else is involved in tactics too? Yes. Well, for, especially for this client, it was a um, gatekeepers are common. So you got to you know, focus on that. How do you over, how do you get through gatekeepers, get to your main target? That's super important. Overcoming brush offs. Absolutely. But also how do you have good conversations? And this is where a lot of SDRs tend to struggle. And there's almost a push with some methodologies to like avoid the conversation altogether and just like go for the meeting, try to get the meeting. Not my style. I think it's worth investing in the people that you're hiring to do the most important thing, which is the first impression. I mean, think about that for a second, Mm -hmm. right? Can you imagine you hire a bunch of people right out of college, make them responsible for your first impression. And then you just expect them to try to shoot for a meeting as quickly as possible. And you're okay with 2% conversion rates on a conversation, not a good move. So I focus a lot on how can we engage the person? How do we build a little rapport? How do we dive deep into an actual conversation to, to, to identify a need? And then we position the solution as the solution to their need. Not just, hey, look what I have, it's shiny. Gotcha. Very solution, sale-oriented conversation, talking about the problem, not the widget. Makes sense. Awesome. And and what did this, I assume this is software, what did this do? Yeah, it's a project management uh, software, or they call it practice operations. So it allows an architecture firm to to manage their business, invoicing, uh, the projects that they're managing, budgeting, stuff stuff like that. Okay, cool. Exactly. And then operations, so tracking it all, CRM. Do you have like a go-to stack that you use? Like it use? really depends. Um, we find our, I, there's the big two as far as CRMs where we're using HubSpot or Salesforce. And then the tech stack varies. I'm a big fan of dialers where we're using either a power dialer or we'll use a parallel dialer. That's a, an important piece to the puzzle, in my opinion. Of course, some kind of data provider, but I do not like with rare exception, I do not like the SDRs having a license to the data provider and then using the Chrome extension. The only exception to that is if you're working, you maybe it's more enterprise, multiple, you know, a lot of decision makers more than just the kind of the big three. If the SDR has to do a lot of that discovery themselves, otherwise, like I rather sales ops manage all of the list, hand the list out while my SDRs focus on calling, getting better at calling, sending good emails, sending good LinkedIn messages, and then calling. <laughs> by five things. I have some kind of dialer, like I said, some kind of sales engagement platform is I think mandatory at this point. 
And am I forgetting anything? I think that's it. Very cool. Awesome. So were there any, or what were the big metrics you were tracking during this process and how did they improve during the engagement? Uh, revenue is at the end of the day, the revenue is the one you're tracking and haven't hit it yet, but by the end of the year, we're pacing to three X revenue this year. Awesome. And that's ARR. Outstanding. Very cool. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, that's what we shoot for with every client. Is there a path to three Xing revenue? That's the math we do whenever we engage with somebody, or, or excuse me, before somebody engages with us, we do a, an analysis either of their existing team, if they have one, or if they're building their first team, we do an analysis of what that team would produce and then what the cost of sale would be or how, what percent of every sale would you be giving to that team to understand, better understand your um, kind of your return on paying these folks. And if I cannot see a world where we 3X the revenue by doing this, I'm not interested in the project. So that's, that's an interesting that's an interesting point. I haven't heard that a lot, but I, I like that because like focusing on, okay, it's like you're making sure before you engage with someone that you, you can over deliver for them, right? 100%. Yeah, yeah. That's very important to me. The exception would be if it's a larger organization, the revenue is really high and it's not about 3Xing revenue. It's about making outbound 30% of their current revenue. Then it's okay. Like if I can do the math and understand their goals I can do the math to tell me that that goal is not only achievable, but I'll probably be able to exceed that. Mm-hmm. Then I'm still on board. But if it's an early stage company, like let's say you just raised Series A and you come and talk to us, I'm going to do a data analysis based on your numbers. What are your close rates? What's your average annual contract value? I'm going to do the math and try to figure out, hey, realistically, where can I get this person? And then I go back to them and I say, hey, look, you're going to follow my lead here. We're going to hire two people right off the bat. Within 60 days, we have a team fully up and running and producing. So mm-hmm. we move very, very quickly. The first 30 days, we laid the entire foundation. The next 30 days is about executing on the process that we put in place with the SDRs there. So it's important within the first 30 days, we have SDR starting. Next 30 days, we're executing. And that's when we have the thing tuned up pretty well. Then the rest of that time is being spent on, on kind of blocking and tackling as challenges come up, tweaking our strategy a little bit. As long as I can do the math, just tell the person I'm talking to, and then also me, that we're going to be able to deliver on whatever promise I'm making, we're in good shape. Awesome. Timelines. You mentioned like those first 30, next 30 days. Do you like weekly breakdowns or like bi-weekly breakdowns in that, like milestones you want to hit? We do. We try to. Uh, sometimes it gets jumbled up a little bit, but those four things I mentioned, and I guess five, which is people, a part of our business is also a candidate sourcing. So if the client wants us to source candidates for them, which is our perfect scenario, because we know we're going to hit the timeline. And to give you some context, we, we say zero to 60 days. I mean, 60 days, you have a producing SDR team and we have a money back guarantee. We'll give you all your money back that you spent with us if we don't accomplish that goal within 60 days. Another reason why I do a lot of the math up front to kind of stack the deck in our favor, right? But anyway, so what we'll do is week one, we focus on hiring, what's the type of candidates we want and learning a little bit more about their uh, cultures to make sure we can evaluate for culture fit. We do the hiring and the list that happens in the first week. Uh, The second week, we focus on the messaging. So we information we need, we construct the messaging. Like I said, uh, our head of growth is an expert copywriter. So we leverage him. 
make sure we have all of our messaging in place. Then the third week is typically operations where we're like making sure everything's working together. You're purchasing the tech stack we tell you to purchase. We have a couple of different options for you, but we clearly articulate the value you're getting out of this tech stack. We tell you which ones you should buy. And then finally, the fourth week is tactics. I want the SDR starting by the first week if possible. That's when it sometimes it gets pushed out, might get pushed out one week or so, but I want SDRs there starting to learn our process, learning more about the business. So that way, the first week of the second month, we're off to the races. That's our, our timeline. And then I'm heavily involved. I'm meeting with the SDR team every single day for the entire second month. Very, very important. And after that 60 day period, we move into less touch points where I don't want to go on like a long spiel about it, but basically we're meeting with them less often one-on-one, but we have daily sessions for them to get support when they need to. And that's how we tweak the, um, the process we put in place over the next six months. How, how hard is it to hire SDRs? Not hard. It's all about the process. It's about the, not the hiring process It's about your confidence and being able to get them up to speed. Mm-hmm. that's really the key. Like it's hard to hire SDRs. If you suck at training SDRs, <laughs> yeah, man, sure. it's super hard. Cause you're trying to find someone who's good. And mm-hmm. I can g- give you an example. Uh, one of the SDRs we hired for this client, he was an SDR at a different company, never booked a meeting on a cold call. His entire mm-hmm. time there was there for like six months, never booked a meeting on a cold really? call. His first week, he booked three first week on the phones. He booked three through cold call. The next week he booked more and he just gets better and better and better. Every call I listen to. And that's because you got to train these people. You know, right. it's ridiculous to me that people are kind of getting thrown in the water. And I told you already, it's the first impression. Why are you, why are you being lazy on that front? Good stuff. What happens? You talking to a potential client, CRM, everything is a mess. Held together, duct tape, bubble gum. What's the move? Yeah. Yeah. You got to fix it. I mean, yeah. we'll, we have sales operations support here, like some expertise where we can give you the guidance. We're not customizing your CRM for the most part. Like there might be little things we'll walk you through. We're not a sales ops company, but we have the expertise. So we give some of that expertise out and we tell whoever is in charge of the CRM there, this is what you need to change. And we'll walk them through changing it if they need help, but we need you to clean up the CRM. And then it's about the other systems we put in place in order to make the team more efficient. Where is outbound sales heading? 2020, between 2021 or 2022 to 2030, what's your vision for what is this? Yeah, I think the the number one thing I'm seeing is uh, phone validating leads. That's my big prediction. Only having SDRs calling phone numbers that have answered the phone before. That's key. That's key. And I'm almost at the point where we mandate it for our clients. I'm not there yet, but as we see connect rates drop and drop and drop, I want to make sure that the SDRs are calling people who have a history of answering their phone. So we go from a 5% connect rate to a 30% connect rate. And you can solve that by either phone validating leads on the front end, which I like, or you can use some kind of crazy power dialer to try to make 200 calls an hour. You know, yeah. Either way, it's okay, but you got to have some kind of system to solve the connect rate problem. And then other than that, there's some cool technology coming out with personalizing emails more at scale. I think that's interesting. The personal branding thing is a real big one. I think it's going to take over the next 10 years or so where these reps who build an actual following within an industry, mm-hmm. not, hey, I'm making, I'm a salesperson making content about sales. No, 
It's about, I'm a salesperson making contact, content for supply chain professionals because my career is selling to supply chain professionals. That is where things get super interesting in the future because you have sales reps with expertise and then they have a following of potential customers within that vertical. And then you can write your own ticket if you're a salesperson. So those are probably the two big things I see coming down the pipe over the next 10 years. Yeah, unless you sell to salespeople, right? Unless you yeah, have your sales brand. <laughs> yeah. They have it easy, to be honest. They have it easy. I, I actually often laugh because, yeah, that's all LinkedIn is. It's just a bunch of salespeople talking to salespeople. Yeah. It's funny, like if you think about how many people don't talk on LinkedIn at all or right. don't even go on LinkedIn. It's like more people don't use LinkedIn than use LinkedIn. But because, you know, all a bunch of talking heads, I guess I'm one of them. We're all on LinkedIn. We think like LinkedIn's the whole world. It's like, right. no, totally not. Like there's a whole world out there that we need to get a hold of. And LinkedIn's one piece of the puzzle, but it's small, man. Small piece. Absolutely. Boris.com. Uh, you can check out you Kyle go. and his team. Kyle Van Boris. Pleasure having you on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. You have a good one. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and share it with a friend. Thanks for listening.